Make Rocket go now. <laughs> Hello, you are listening to Thoughtless Casual Gaming with Brett and Jace. We are a Geelong-based gaming podcast where we play some games badly and then talk shit about them. Uh, today, or tonight, or this morning, or this Tomorrow. evening, whatever, whenever you are listening to this, yesterday, uh, we Maybe have something different for you. Probably not listening to it yesterday. You might be. If I... Again, are we back to the future or Terminator rules? Or Endgame. Uh, or 12 Monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> this is way too complex. I still think 12 Monkeys is one of the best movies that's done time travel. It is tricksy to do about Bill and Ted. Bill and Ted. Yeah, that works too. That works too. We just need a... Uh, phone booth yeah where are you going to find one of those these days after this all blows over we'll go back and we'll steal the keys and we'll yeah and then we'll put them back where we found them um so last episode was the painted pink results uh what have you been doing since then Jace? i have painted a disappointingly small amount of pink and by I think none. <laughs> I think none pink is the the amount of pink I've painted, which is disappointing. I, um, I actually think I have avoided pink since then too. And I almost picked up pink last night, but it ended up being purple in in the, the grand scheme of things. The very pink yep. purple, but it's still purple. Still doesn't count. <laughs> um, so, so what have I actually done? Next competition, paint it anything but pink. <laughs> Please stop painting things pink. Um, what have I done? So actually did spend a little bit of time, had a couple of, uh, and we won't call them date nights because we're married. We don't have those anymore. No. Um, but just cruisy house nights on the couch, to be honest. Um, so I did manage to sneak in both Black Widow and Free Guy. Oh, yeah. Excellent. Thoughts? I both were good. Mm-hmm. Like Free Guy, going to Free Guy, and this was almost my wife's review rather than mine. It's like family-friendly Deadpool. It kind of was, wasn't it? Basically the same concept, but just a little bit more family-friendly mm-hmm. and a little bit more you know, charming and not superhero-y. But yeah, no, that was basically, which is glorious because Deadpool was amazing. So this worked just as well. No, I, I liked it. It was fun. It was nice. It, it hit that, you know, kind of family movie, but Ryan Reynolds y, but smart arsey, but funny. Yep. But, and look, a lot of those just little, you know, bits in the background that you saw, yes. it, it, there was enough to keep you going. I, I really enjoyed it. How good was the uh, the end boss at the the end? Yep. Big beefy guy. Yeah. So good. Catchphrase. And his tattoo. <laughs> yeah. It was, I just like, and the commentary around the, but we haven't finished him. No, we just release him. 
<laughs> just drop him in. But no, the code isn't finished. He isn't anyway. Um, no. We'll update that later. TLC. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I did like that. I did like, yeah, actually there was a lot about it to like. It was charming. It won't be one of those ones you go back and watch every other day. It's not a cult classic, but it was just lovely and entertaining and a good way to spend two hours on the couch. Um, Black Widow. Mm. uh, Look, a a couple of people had said, I think you were one of them, um, that it was actually worth watching because I was probably a little bit nervous going into it, but it was, it was worth watching. Um, Honestly, it was a lot better than I expected. I mean, yeah, and everybody knows what sort of a Marvel fanboy I am. No. Um, or am not. Uh, but yeah, it caught me off guard. No, and I think the piece that got me is that it was the support cast that made it. Mm-hmm. Like, yes. Scarlet was good in that she mm. was very Black Widowy, and that was great, and it gave her some context and, and all that jazz, but it was just the surrounding characters that made it fun um and without doing spoilers and and all that kind of jazz um i'm a little bit interested slash confused slash interested about this whole uh what's her name elaine from seinfeld julia lewis dreyfus is that Mm -hmm. her Mm -hmm. her the way that they're setting this character up through falcon and winter soldier yes now here um, but clearly it feels like they're very much doing a phase, whatever the phase is for me up to. Um, 17. Yeah, but it's this setup of all right, who is the next lot of Avengers. Is that you? In the, that is me. Friends? Do you want to? Give me, give me two secs. Minor technical difficulties. <laughs> Now we have successfully hogtied and gagged all the children. Uh, we are back. <laughs> yeah, apologies for that. You know, just when you thought it was safe to go back into podcasting. No, this is the joy of A, podcasting with children um, and, and B, doing all this stuff from mm. home. You know, Which hopefully we won't have to do much longer. I know, right? This is both terrifying and exciting and unusual. I mean, I haven't been allowed to leave my house for two years. What's going on? Um, <laughs> anywho, <laughs> other hobby things. Um, oh, I also did the finale of What If, but meh. Yeah. Um, so did we finish Black Widow? We did finish Black Widow. It basically, yeah. it was charming. The sport character made it. I, it's, they're clearly setting up for a phase next. Yes. With a whole bunch of new... Yeah, um, Elaine. I can't unsee Elaine. Yeah, look, me neither. And they're setting her up to be Madame Hydra or whoever. Yeah. But um, I did get friends of mine, one of my friends sent me a picture in a group chat just saying, how much does, just watching Black, Guard, uh, Black Widow, and how much does Red Guardian look like Brett? I'm like, hmm. Halloween's not far enough. Slightly overweight, past his prime, graying beard. Yeah, kind of tick all the boxes. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Halloween. It's close. Just need a shield. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, no, but worth it. Like a good, good, good outing. Good, mm. good cinema. Um, I have don't really have a lot bad to say about it. To be honest, it was just a. Again, it wasn't the movie that I will go back and watch a thousand times, but it was. It was worth perfect. that couple of yeah hours or whatever it is. I probably wouldn't have been angry if I had paid the extra 30 bucks or whatever it was to stream yeah, early. Yeah, but we didn't have to. No, I know it was the best. Um, <laughs> for I am cheap. I will really quickly just say I am very interested by the next wave of DC movies, which is probably just setting me up for disappointment. Um, with DC fandom just of being happened, happened. Happening, happened. I don't know. It was a thing. Yeah. It was a thing. I still haven't gone back and watched them. Although the only one I have watched is the trailer for The Flash. Yes. Hmm. With pointy ears. Batman. Shadow. You leave Keaton alone. I love Keaton. Like, don't get me wrong. I was more excited about Keaton being in this than anything else, I think. I mean, I'm looking forward, more forward to the Batman in the Flash film than the Flash himself. That's fair. Yeah. I'm not sure if I'm looking forward more to the Batman in the Flash film than the Batman in the Batman. Um, also fair. I'm I'm interested by the Batman. I'm, I'm curious. I don't know how it's going to go. It feels like it is just a complete departure from everything they've ever done. Um, but that's not necessarily a bad thing either. So no, we no, will... seeing their track record, that's not a bad thing. I just hope he sparkles. <laughs> there is one moment in that whole trailer scene. Like, I think it was actually pretty good. Um, except there's one bit where he gets angry and yells and hits some glass. And, and it just, he kind of lost it for me right at that moment. I'm like, it was just this real impotent rage, Batman. But <laughs> we'll see. Um I am very curious about Pierce Brosnan as Dr. Fate. Yeah, that was a strange call. I don't know. Like Again, I haven't watched anything, but Dr. Fate, I mean, he's always wearing the helmet, isn't he? So Pretty much. I don't know how and, old he is, but I I've mean, never thought of him as Pierce Brosnan sort of age. No, but Pierce Brosnan is older than I remember. Um Turns out that's what happens just through the passage of time. Um, and and he in also, fact, he hasn't been in anything for years apart yeah, from like Mamma Mia or something. He's no longer relevant. Um, and that he's actually sort of grown a little grey goatee and stuff. So it, he actually, it didn't look out of place. Okay. We will see. Um, I don't know. The whole rock thing is mildly terrifying. I feel like he, he needs a, a smart-ass sidekick, Eddie Murphy-style kind of thing to make a movie. But um, we will see. We will see. He's been pushing for this for a long time, ever, you know, even way before Shazam was a thing. So Yeah. Um, anyway, that is about all of the, the watching of things I have done. I've intentionally held off... Any, uh, any more Titans, just mm-hmm. so I can binge it more because this whole week-by-week week thing hurts me. Well, this week, the last episode of the season comes out on Thursday evening-ish. So I can worry about this over the weekend is the moral yes. of the story. Yes. The system works. Um, 
actual doing things. So um, purchases, I've been relatively well behaved. I'll say, yeah, yeah. It doesn't no. sound like you. Look, all I've bought is a couple of cans of spray paint and crystal and locked jewelry. Actually picked up. Yep. Um. So that's happened. The crystal and locked jewelry up and charming. Although I didn't massively love crystal. She showed that actual model because she does the whole elemental thing, right? So she's got this big arc of water splash that she's kind of doing in one hand. She's got a little flame in the other hand and she's standing on a whole bunch of floating rocks. It felt a little bit too much. Where's um, the air? Well, underneath the rocks, I assume, holding them up <laughs> because they were all kind of floating around. Um, so it, I know it just felt very busy. So I've pulled the rocks out and I can't work out if her pose now looks a little bit funky because she kind of looks like she's surfing. Um which made sense when she was standing on two floating rocks, but I'm just going with it. I feel like, you know, making water do things probably takes some kind of effort and sometimes you need to just superhero pose. Um, so that was fine. Um, and we've pretty much assembled everything now, which is glorious, um, including Wasp. I assembled her too because I picked Excellent. her up off Jared. Um and then I went on a little bit of a priming binge. So I primed all of my Marvel Crisis Protocol stuff that I have planned to paint and haven't. Um, a bunch of stuff from Curse City that's been sitting assembled forever. Um, and a whole bunch of burrows and badges stuff I had sitting in the garage, again, assembled and just waiting. Um, and this is about the time where... I remembered the lesson that when you buy new products that you've never used on anything, maybe just test them. Maybe maybe just try them on something. Um, so, I mean, the paint had really good reviews and I was just frankly a little bit excited to see what it did. The black was lovely. The black went on really well. It's got a nice finish. It's all of those things. And I don't know whether it's anything to do with humidity or the amount of shake to the can, but the white just came out a little bit powdery. So mm -hmm. it looks fine, but everything just has a little bit of a rough finish about it. Um, not the end of the world, but suboptimal is the moral of the story. So I'll have another couple of cracks just on actual unimportant shit and just see if it was just a humidity thing or a, an amount I shaked the can or something um, and see what I liked. But apart from that, I mean, the good news is as far as black spray primer goes, the Montana gold um, like artist graffiti paint cans effectively from the art store for 16 bucks, I think. Okay. That's a fair chunk of sort of GW prices. Chaos Black. Yep. Happy days. The white, we'll see. Um, and they do all of the colours of the rainbow, um, which is an interesting prospect. Anywho, um, so that was that was the purchases. As a bit of a prime, probably should have tested that. But here we are. Paint still goes on. It's fine. It's probably where's a problem. Um, and then actual painting of things. So I have been, as we will all have been sick of hearing, painting this Lord of the Rings fellowship <laughs> out of sheer guilt now. 
They're done. They are. Are they, are they out of your hands? Well, they're still sitting on my desk because okay. I would have to drive like 20, 25 minutes to deliver them or do something. And that seems like a lot of effort. <laughs> um, but it, It's a click and collect service, isn't it? I, I think it should be. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I need to work that out at some point. But the moral of the story is I no longer have to feel the guilt. Um, they're completed. They're finished. They're done including the bases. Um, and I in did future, say that. In future, I must negotiate not to have to do bases. I feel like that that is a perfectly acceptable point. But it, it feels glorious. Um, so, so now you can paint whatever you want to paint. Well, yeah, and I have been. It's been glorious. Yes. Um, I mean, sort of. There's maybe a couple of other things that I might be doing out of obligation. Um, and herein lies the problem, right? In that I don't mind doing commission work in theory, as long as it's not too big, um, you can kind of, you get a little bit of control over what you, you're actually painting um, and everything. But I really only do it for mates. Yep. I really fucking hate charging mates and costing work for people that I know. Um, it just feels wrong. Um, so I always undercharge and then basically spend the next however long with mild anxiety about what if I don't deliver something that they're going to be happy with. Um, but if you're undercharging, like, doesn't that sort of negate a little bit of that? You would think that. But it it turns out I don't actually think about the amount that is being charged when I'm painting. I hold myself to a certain standard and things will meet that standard. Um, and even if they meet a standard for me, there's always that piece around what were they expecting and is this what they're expecting? I don't know um, because, frankly, I am inconsistent at the best of times. Um, so I spend more time agonizing over that and not painting things, which just takes it longer. Um, and then the attention deficit disorder in me just gets bored and, or ex more to the point, it gets excited by something else. And then I feel bad that I can't do the thing that I want to do because I have to do the thing that I have to do because invariably they paid me in advance. Mistake number one. Um, or the other thing is, is because I've said, oh, I don't really like charging mates because it feels weird i've i've arranged some kind of bizarre trade barter system um and it doesn't feel like i'm doing it for money so it doesn't actually feel like it can be i don't know it's very weird but yeah i get then want to paint other things feel bad painting other things because i should be painting the thing that i'm no longer excited about so then have to try and force myself to do that resent hobby and the cycle starts all over again. Um, so I like it in theory. I like occasionally doing them. Um, but I've, I have to be better at picking and choosing <laughs> what I do um, and make sure it is stuff that I'm, A, excited to paint, B, really clear about what is being delivered 
at the end of it, like how much effort am I going into, um, you know, what is expected just so everyone's on the same page um, and see, just stop people paying me in advance, frankly. Like let's just do a, a cash on delivery kind of setup. <laughs> <laughs> this all sounds like a lot of stress for you. It, it really, really does. So you got these all these sort of contrasting, conflicting sort of things going on in your head, and yet all I have to deal with deal with is the fact that nobody ever asked me to commission paint, and I think I'm okay with that. I mean, it's probably fine as a process for people who are vaguely sane, but you know, <laughs> me sitting here. <laughs> Just going, I can't, I don't have an attention span and I'm still panicking about the fact that someone asked me how I was and I said, you too, three years ago. Um, so, you know, you may, maybe this is self-inflicted. <laughs> Anyhow, they're done. They're fucking out of my head. It's the best thing in the world. I just need to actually get them to the person that has them. And then I have to look at those little miscast bastards again. They were horrible models. Um, so to enjoy myself, since that bit of a palette cleanser, let's do something else. I did spend some time painting up Wasp and mm. Mini Wasp. Trespar- I love the fact you get a Mini Wasp. It's so good. Yeah. And I really appreciate the fact that Jared replaced the bit of concrete or tactical rock or anything Mini Ant-Man was sitting on and found a, an American quarter. Yep. To put on, I was having a conversation with him going, this is the greatest. He goes, yeah, I was really worried. I was going to have to actually go to a money exchange <laughs> and ask what the smallest amount of money I could exchange was. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it, it was super cool. I didn't go to that much effort, but I did paint wasp and I have since painted effectively most of um, Enchantress. However, so the dilemma I have is the fact that I am have decided that A-Force is the affiliation for Crisis Protocol that I like. Um, however, seemingly every single one of their models comes in a box with another model that is not in that affiliation. Um, so Angela and Enchantress is the, the box, um, both as Guardians, but... Only Angela is in A-Force. Equally, Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver. Scarlet Witch, A-Force, Quicksilver, clearly not. Has the wrong appendages. Um, Chromosomes. Also those. Um, So I made the tactical decision that Enchantress actually kind of looks very like a green Scarlet Witch. So if I just painted her red... (laughs) Problem solved. Yeah. Like even the head dress thing is very similar. It is. It's like the picture you sent through, it's, it's pretty much identical. Yeah. I feel like I can get away with it. Um, so, yeah, I spent last night slapping paint on her. So she's mostly done now, which is glorious. I need to throw bases on everyone, apart from the course, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll do a few more and then I'll smash the bases together and, and we're looking pretty good. Excellent. That's me. Yeah, it's a fair effort. Yeah. It hasn't been, I don't think it's been two weeks since we recorded last. No. So. 
Oh, and I did also get the very enjoyable news that um, I talked to a while ago about Paint It Pink and the Blood Bowl painting competition that went off the yes. same thing. Um, so, you know, a little, little bit of a humble brag. Um, no, they shortlisted all the final finalists. So literally tonight that post came up. Um, so I'm very curious to see because there's some pretty pretty crazy pieces in that. Um, and I'm really hoping a few of the podcasts and everything cover it. But, um, yeah, it looks like we got shortlisted for that little blood bowl dude. So that's a bit fun. His little pipe. I mean, he came with the pipe. I just added the smoke. Um, I don't so, think anybody else did, though. No. No. But even my wife noticed the tactical angle that I photographed it on because I really couldn't be fucked painting his eyes. Um <laughs> <laughs> but it's an online it's an online competition, so so what? <laughs> Fair call. It was I very mean, it was, it's pretty shadowed. He's under like the the ridge of his helmet. Um It's not like you, you didn't paint the whole back of him or something. I did paint the whole back of this one. <laughs> I mean they also technically said he has to be on the base he came and I kind of didn't read that till after I'd put him on something else. Um but we seem to be disregarding that as well, so I'm just going with it. Um, but yeah, cheeky that bitch. Well deserved. <laughs> so there's be- a few nice looking ones there, but uh, go check out the galleries. There is some really nice stuff people have done, like mind blowing stuff. Um, super keen to see how it how it all unfolds. Yeah. What have you been doing? Um, I've been watching a little bit of TV. I did watch episode twelve of Titans. So I've just got the last one to go. I won't go into any sort of detail, but it's definitely getting there. Um, I got. I've been. I talked last time about Squid Game, yes. and I still can't stop thinking about that show. So I found a, another show, which was Japanese, I believe, called Alice in Borderland which is a similar sort of idea. Like there's a couple of friends and they get basically transported to another version of Tokyo where most of the people have gone. They've just disappeared. And they have to play these various games in order to extend their visas. Uh, And if they fail in these games or if their visas expire, then this huge laser shoots down from the sky and just kills them outright. Um, So they keep on finding new and different people playing these games. Um, It was really, it wasn't as good as Squid Game, but I really enjoyed it. And I looked it up quickly on IMDb as I was watching. Uh, Just a quick thing to see. Okay, nine episodes, no problems. I can do that. And I got to one night and I was starting episode seven. I thought, I can get through three episodes tonight. I'm not going to want to finish on like eight or anything. So (laughs) I can do three episodes. And I got called downstairs for some reason halfway through episode eight. And and I was telling the wife, I'm like, okay, cool. I've got an episode and a half to go. uh, And then, then this show's done. And I really want to see what happens. And then episode eight starts wrapping up on this huge dramatic thing. 
and then Netflix stopped and it didn't show episode nine. And I'm like, hang on, what's going on here? Episode nine is actually episode one of season two, which is not out yet. I'm like, you son of a bitch. Admittedly, season one came out late last year, so with any luck, late this year, season two will come out, because I do want to keep watching that. Uh, yeah, I know. That is but not yeah. episode nine. No, I know, That's right? It, but it just said nine episodes. I didn't click. I didn't want to get anything spoiled, so I didn't go any further. I just saw nine episodes, and I closed IMDb. But it was not nine episodes. It was eight well, episodes. Yes, nine, eight episodes, plus this ninth one which obviously forms the start of... But then that's yeah, episode one of season two. I, di- I did get to the end of episode eight and go, oh, this is huge. How are they going to wrap this all up in one episode? They're not. Sucks to be me. Anyway, but um, both Squid Game and Alice in Borderland really, really enjoyed, really suggest... Uh, if anybody's interested, give them a watch. They're both on Netflix, so nice and easy. After that, I went old school, and we've been doing a bit of playing and definitely doing a bit of painting of my full crisis protocol. So to stick something on in the background while I did some more painting, I chucked on Infinity War. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, yeah, look, you know, haven't seen this. Dramatic for a while i'll watch it again and i watched it and it was you know decent sort of non-stop action all the things you want in an avengers film all right cool all right i haven't seen endgame since that came out put on endgame bored out of my brain like the action in endgame starts like in the last half hour the rest of it's all set up and it's just like oh my god just hurry up what is going on um, but it kept me busy. Yeah, I had, like I said, I had that on in the background while I painted. Then I was like, well, what am I going to do now? Let's go back and rewatch Days of Future Past, the X-Men film. Because <sighs> I'm like, I haven't seen that for a while. I remember that being halfway decent. And so I watched that. It wasn't too bad. It has some moments and like it has some characters that I really like seeing, even if they're just sort of bit parts. And I'm like, well, okay, let's watch the original X-Men film. Ooh. So I watched the original one. And then I'm like, okay, Nightcrawler's in the second one. Let's watch the second one. And I watched the second one, and that was all right. And then... Don't do it. Because I'm not a masochistic or a sadist or whatever the word is, I did not go any further. Good. <laughs> because I was worried. X3 is the shittest sequel to any sort of superhero film ever, I think. And all the other ones, I mean, I could go and watch First Class. No, you couldn't. That's not too bad. It's terrible. Um, Yeah, Apocalypse, and there is a Phoenix one, isn't there? Or is that Apocalypse? No, it's... I don't know. The one that, like, uh, what's her name? Sansa. Plays yeah. Phoenix. Yeah, look, yeah, she's she's not a great actress, so no. we'll uh, we'll give those a miss. So I'm not also, too sure what I'll move on to. I, I maintain that no movie should or ever, you know, contain Kevin Bacon. Um, but but they all do. 
I know. They need to they need to have the six degrees in somewhere. But I feel like that's the only value that he adds. Um plus the um the witty last name that he has. I mean the name. So he can make jokes. Yeah. But I mean can't we just yeah. No, he doesn't add anything to any movie ever. <laughs> um so you know. I'm out. Um, good job yeah, cool. on stopping is no, the moral no. of the story. I, I thought about it for about five seconds. I went, no, no, let's not do that. Um, but doing hobby-wise, uh, I assembled Bishop from Malifaux. <gasps> yes. Uh, and then I was going to play in Throw the Dice's uh, Malifaux Enforcer Brawl. Which Guess was, was like a Friday night or two ago. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, she came up here, uh, all to do with my daughter's school being a COVID hotspot, apparently, so I couldn't make it. Um, but I did assemble him and I did paint him, so I got him done. I finished off Mr. Sinister as well, so I'm very happy with how he turned out, considering I was very scared about the cape because the cape, I smartly left off the model before I painted it, but not smartly glued the two pieces of the cape together. And it's basically lots of dangly bits which are like blue on one side or black or depending on which version of Sinister you go for and red on the other. And it was doing my head in trying to get the brush between them (laughs) and all the rest of it. But he turned out quite well, so I'm happy about that. We also ended up at Throw the Dice the other day, last week, and Rich had already kindly given me a call and said, um, Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver are here, which I'd ordered in. So I got very excited, and I went to Throw the Dice thinking, okay, well, which way do I go? Do I order Cable and Domino now, or do I order Deadpool and Bob? And I was sort of uh, 50-50 either way, really. So I grabbed Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver and then had a quick look at his wall because he's got a nice little Marvel wall now. And lo and behold, there was the Deadpool box, which comes with Deadpool, Bob, a taco truck, and 23 tacos. Uh, so Let's just stop and taco about that for a second. <laughs> no, dear. Uh, I have not painted the tacos in fact I, I clipped them all off the the sprue today and stuck them in a bag i don't want to get all jalapeno business but i feel like this is exactly what should be being done is, is taco <laughs> painting um we'll get there we'll get there i have other things that i have been more inclined to paint at this stage this so insane. anyway that that being there i said to rich i'm like can you hold on to this for me for next week and he's like yeah i can't no worries and then uh, about 20 minutes later i'm like (laughs) can i just buy it now (laughs) and you may as well order in cable and domino for me so apart from them i mean the only other pack i really am in the mood for is beast and mystique yep but I did jump on the Atomic Mass website the other day, and of course I saw the pictures of Rogue and Gambit and Colossus and Magic and mm-hmm. Juggernaut. 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm going to need to get them. <laughs> uh, all of the above. <laughs> See, in in stark contrast to your experience in Throw the Dice, on exactly the same night, I went in and I had um, Crystal and Lockjaw there, ordered in. I was very excited about it. I ran up and I said, hey, Rich, I believe you have a little something-something for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I saw you and your giant taco truck. Um and I went, oh, I wonder what else is on this delicious wall of, and I, and I saw Medusa and Black Bolt. And Medusa is another pick that I need to get. Black Bolt is not, but he comes in the box and that's just the way it works now. Um, and so I literally picked that up and I, I took that over to the counter and Rich looked at me and he goes, do you really need both of those right now? And I went, what, what are you saying? He's like, are you going to paint them both? Because you can always get one in another time. So why don't you take one and we'll we'll put one away for another day. And What is going on? Like, I mean, how good is that of a shop owner to do that to you? But he's done it to you. He's also doing it to Fox. Because Fox is now, Fox played an Enforcer Brawl and is now getting quite interested in Malifaux. Correct. Uh, and Richard said the same thing to him. You know, you, you can buy one thing and then when you paint it up, bring me a picture of it and then you can buy the next thing. It's legitimately, that was the conversation we had is like, when this will, one is painted. He will take all my money though. Well, to be fair, how many days have you been painting this year? Okay. No, that's true. That's true. Whereas I'll I feel that. Like, yeah. So the chances of it being painted are actually pretty likely if it goes to you. Um, whereas he knows how many projects I have on the go at any given time. <laughs> I still think he should just take my money. Like I was legitimately transferring funds between accounts to make this happen. <laughs> and he was like, so maybe we'll put this back until she's painted. Okay. <sighs> yes, mom. And, but you're not working on it. I will. I, aren't you going there tomorrow night? I'm hoping you'll forget by then. Okay, cool. We'll see. I mean, you know, speaking of purchases and whether or not they'll get painted or not, but I then got home and the next day or so I assembled Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch and Deadpool and Bob and the taco truck. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I did the, you know, you said you had a little bit of an issue with your spray. Mm-hmm. I had a... Wraithbone, brand new Wraithbone G-Dub spray, mm-hmm. which is you know one of the contrast ones that they re- recommend, but it's also one that I use for a lot of my Marvel mi- miniatures because the Marvel ones just seem to work so well with contrast paints for me. Anyway, so I sprayed and I didn't get a little bit of residue. I got a lot. And by the time I realized it was on... Uh, Bob and Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch. I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> so I got the old Dettol bath going and I managed to clean them all up. And then I have since sprayed Deadpool and, and Quicksilver and Bob. And then I thought I'd start painting them. So I painted Bob and I finished Bob. I'm like, oh, well, Quicksilver's next. So I started Quicksilver. 
And I finished Quicksilver. And so today I moved on to Deadpool. And he's probably around about 80% done. Fucking stop it. You painted Quicksilver on Twitch. I painted Quicksilver in a night. night. Yeah. On Twitch last night, I probably started Scarlet Witch at the same time. She's still going. We're still happening. Like, it's... There is a difference between your painting and mine painting. I mean, Quicksilver was mainly... He's mainly blue and he's mainly white. So... This model is entirely red and I'm using contrasts. Are you painting her entirely red? Pretty much. I mean, there's a little bit of skin and there's a little magic swirl and that's about it. Well, maybe you just got distracted by the awesome conversation we had going on Twitch the other night. Just the, the sultry tones. Oh, not not listening to me. I'm talking about the other people in the chat. They were much better. They were interesting. Yeah. But, yeah, look, we're getting there. Um, I have also now undercoded up the Doc Ock and Spider-Man models, which I have. Uh, And then so, realistically, it's Deadpool, Doc Ock, Spider-Man, and Scarlet Witch, who is... Dettol free now, but not undercoated. And then, then I am out of Marvel models. And I don't think Doc Ock will take very long either. I think he'll be a nice, easy contrast. Basically the same Bob. scheme as Bob. Pretty much. So, but I was really happy with how Bob turned out. Like, I was worried about, you know, am I going to get the right shade of green here? And I tried one. I'm like, yeah, that's the right shade. Let's keep going. Um. But yeah, no, so that's where I am. You know, I'm getting through the models um, and I'm reasonably happy with them. Yeah, they're coming out good. You're right. They do lend themselves. I don't know why. I don't know what it yeah. is because I'm watching a lot of the G-Dub stuff that they're doing specifically since they've brought out contrast paints and it's just detail and detail and detail. And I feel like the Marvel stuff doesn't have that, but it works just as well. If not better for me. So... A lot of my Marvel Crisis stuff is mainly contrast. Uh, I did kind of a similar sort of style with Bishop for Malifaux, but I did contrast and then I layered up half of that. (laughs) So it's a bit of contrast, but a bit of not contrast as well. Whereas, what did I do on Bob? Like the gun, that's not contrast, but... And it's got a wash over it and some black contrast for the barrel and a bit of silver highlights here and there. But the rest of him, nice and easy. Yeah. And, yeah, Bob and Quicksilver, pretty much the two of them were two knights. Yeah. Coming up a trait. Mm. Um, so, yeah, my next game that I've got organized, um, I have a fully painted team for, which is Oof. good. The pressure's on. I like it. Yeah. So that's it. That's enough for me. That'll do. That'll do, Pete. That'll do. Uh, (laughs) So why don't we take a break? And what we're going to do is something different. So what we... We've been talking about Marvel for a little bit. And here, 
the, the very idea of this podcast originally was to talk games and play games badly and try and work out the rules and all the rest of it. But what we've been doing is playing a lot of games. And if we got rules wrong, how are we going to know if we're playing another game the following fortnight? Yeah. And there's uh, only so much you can talk about a game when you play like an intro game or a demo mm. game or maybe one or two games and then you, you kind of move on to the next thing. So you, you, in a lot of instances, you don't actually get into the things that make games good, bad, indifferent, different, you know, all, all those things. Um, and you don't really understand what the game's about. So... With that in mind, and also it gets really hard, can I just say, to pump out a podcast every couple of weeks where you play a different game every couple of weeks because then we have to find another game, learn another game, play another game, get stuff for another game, maybe even paint it or whatnot. Like, that's it's getting tricksy. I mean, look, we still have a lot of options, a lot of things we can do in the future, and I'm thinking in particular of the Necromunda models, which I looked at this morning. They are a thing? Yes. They are a thing. Uh, But what we wanted to do was more of a focus, and a focus on Marvel. Because this is a game that we have definitely started knowing nothing. And we've played a couple of games, and we know a bit less than nothing now. Or is it a bit more? One of the two. Is nothing a negative? Nothing, no, it's, it's just nothing. It's just nothing. Yeah. So we must know more than nothing now, unless it's wrong. But it's us. So, so you know, yeah, let's oh. not jump to conclusions about how smart we are. Shredding is nothing. SMRT. I mean, um, SMRT. Look, the long and the short of it is, hopefully to give a little bit of continuity to give a little bit more sort of depth, to give a little bit more interest, you know, to, to you person listening. Um, but also for us to let us sort of focus and do a little bit more of, I don't want to say a deep dive, but just kind of explore a game a little bit more and actually get sink our teeth into it, spend some time on it, kind of do enough to know whether it is a game that we want to keep playing or not, um, the dream is and the plan is that we will spend a little bit more time focusing on games, talking about one game for a while, and then at some point in the near future we will go, right, this is a game for us or this is not a game for us, and either it will sit as part of the rotation and we'll probably talk about it more regularly or we will banish it to the seven circles of hell. One of the two. Yes. You can't give it to all seven circles. Why not? Dante did it. Yeah, but he went through. Yeah? He, was, he wasn't he was supposed to be there in the first place, though. I was also not asked to decide which games go to this hell, but, you know, here I am, <laughs> judge, jury, and fucking executioner, um, so I can just Dante the shit out of this. I misheard you then. I thought you said Judge Judy, so... <laughs> I see the similarity. She has a better beard, but you know. (laughs) All right. Let's take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk about Marvel. Okay. Tell you whose team they prefer to be on. 
Avengers. X-Men. Come on, say X-Force. Bugger off, Wade. So what's going on with this threesome anyway? Sexy, recon, Super Charlie's Angels? Oh, I could be your Bosley. Watch your back, sugar. No more. like that. Kill count is really intimidating. They killed that guy, that Deadpool. Off his balls, cut off his mouth. Hey, sexy friends, won't you please help me out? First one. Kill Deadpool gets to win the Deadpool. If Spider-Man were here, that'd be really cool. You're lucky I was passing through here. Yay! Do great things for your arse. Hey, you're no slouch in that way either. Thanks, voice. But every last inch of me's covered in scars. Oh, shit! Motherfucker! No one flips like Deadpool, changes clips like Deadpool. No one feels katanas and rips like Deadpool. I'm especially good at decapitating. Let's roll for Deadpool. When I was a boy, I humped this unicorn every morning to help me get off. But lately I'm thinking I might hump the Hulk. Tell me, what is that like, Romanoff? We're going. We're here. We're back. Yeah, Stuff right. is happening. We're ready. Welcome back to A Thoughtless Crisis Protocol, Episode 1, where we go a deep focus on Marvel Crisis Protocol and how we've been playing it. Not how it's played. No, how we've been playing. Um, Yeah, no, we're going to get in there nice and deep like. Mm -hmm. Um, And just, yeah, talk about a little bit more about the game, not just first impressions, but how it's played, what happens, um, you know, how you play at game one versus what happens after a couple. You know, that's kind of the the hope that we will get to. what we thought we'd do for the first episode is just call it, sort of go through the rules, nice and basic, get you an idea of how it plays. Uh, we have played a couple of games recently on this, and in the next episode we'll go through the games, how we played them, you know, what happened, that sort of thing. But this is just a sort of general overall look at the game. Yeah. So there is... A previous episode on Marvel Crisis Protocol, we attempt to do something similar but less, but different, but worse. Um, that was more kind of a first impressions. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had first impressions. This is now, as I said, going a little bit deeper, just a little bit more. So this one is more about yeah, how the game is played, what happens, how things happen, and hopefully gives you a little bit of a sense of, or hopefully after this episode when we start talking next one about what happened in the game, the mechanics kind of make sense, is is the hope. See, there's method behind this madness. That's it. And the difference between this episode and the previous episode is that I have actually read the rule book now. 
mistake. <laughs> I, I have actually skimmed the rule book now. Yeah, I was about to say, I, I've downloaded <laughs> the rule book. <laughs> I printed it off. I've got a print off of it so I can refer to it in time. You have like a hard physical copy of the... I do, which is really odd because, I mean, this game comes with basic starting rules, but yeah. the actual rule book you have to download, and which is a bit odd. It is. The fact that there isn't a hard copy that I can buy is disappointing because I want to give them my money for it. Um, I just like having a physical copy of rule books is me the too. moral of the story. Me too. Um, and not having one makes me a little bit sad. And then the next best option is I download it and print it, but I'm not in the office at the moment. How is that going to happen? Um, so, but equally, that's not the same. It's not as pretty as that kind of... Even no, definitely. The, anywho. Um, the I'm the same as I you. I do, like, I do like my books. I've got shelves of books. Yeah. Of old games that I have not played in many, many, many years. Old, you know, third edition codexes of 40K, that sort of stuff. Um, but I just like, I don't want to get rid of them. No. But equally, no. as I'm playing, I want to actually thumb through the rules and check things. I don't want to try and scroll a PDF. And I understand that they have a find feature on a good PDF, so it's actually more efficient. I don't care. Stop it. Um <laughs> Just yeah. going back to the book thing, I think I have three rule books for how to play the Batman miniatures game, and I've never actually played it. That's how much I like is, books. We could we could get them. The, the other thing I did notice after I downloaded the the actual rules after going from because the the rules that you get in the core set aren't the rules; they are a learn to play handbook kind of situation um, which takes you through how to play and as a result you get some of the rules but it isn't actually the rule book the rule book isn't much more so I've discovered no it's not it really isn't it's what 30 pages long roughly yeah um, I've actually printed that off with two pages on a page so it's even less so a5 is a wonderful wonderful format yes um that's the takeaway from this episode. Uh, <laughs> anyway, shall we go into a bit of the rules? Yes. So there, this is the sort of game where you do have a little bit of prep before the game. So before a battle, you basically have a few things that you need to decide on. First and foremost is your characters. Now, you don't know what sort of game you're going to be going into play because, as we will discuss later, a lot of that is kind of random. So you have to create a force of 10 models, and that is your team. Yeah. The, the idea here is to sort of pick and choose a couple of models, varying different points costs, and try and cover as many bases as you like. The other thing you have is team tactic cards, which you also have to choose 10 of. And these cards come in the the boxes with the, the characters and they will all do various different things. Some of them will be related specifically to some characters. Some of them won't be. But you need 10 of those as well. The last two things you need are the crisis cards. 
And these are split into two. There's secure crisis cards and extraction crisis cards. And these crises will be basically the mission that you are playing. And you need three of each. And, I mean, the cards themselves are all pretty... Well, they are very pretty. They have nice artwork on them. There's no... One thing I've noticed is that there's no default back to your team tactics cards. They've all got pretty artwork on them, mm -hmm. telling you your opponent exactly what they are. Uh, so if you know the cards well, then you might have some sort of idea about what's coming. I don't know if there's any rules saying that you have to sort of hide your cards away from your opponent or not. But you go into a game with 10 characters on your list, 10 tactics cards, three secure crisis cards, and three extraction crisis cards. Now let's get to the game. So the game is played on a 3x3 board with a mix of terrain. So the idea here is to chuck some terrain on the board, minimum of 12 pieces, all with various sizes. And the size of your terrain is a thing in Marvel. And they're all ranged from one to five. So of your 12 pieces or more, you ideally want a couple maybe of ones, a couple of fives, and then the majority of them in the two to four range. So two will be something like a car. Three will be like a daily bugle shack or small yeah, building. Small building, like a little taco stand or something. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. Um, Pretty much. So relatively terrain intensive, I would say. Um, and probably the other interesting piece is, given that it is effectively current day pretty much, mm -hmm. um, it's actually not a lot of terrain that you see in other games. I will say it's a little bit, it, you know, it's one of those things that I've got stuff that will do, but I actually want to go out and get specific terrain forged so it suits, so it yes. looks like a a game of Marvel. Yes, I think there's a, a degree of almost um, essential 3D printing that we might need to do for this game. Mm -hmm. I mean, look, things, the base game comes with quite a few pieces, comes with a couple of uh, dumpsters, a small trash can, a couple of traffic lights, and a daily bugle. Uh, newsstand. Newsstand. Yeah, a couple, couple of cars. cars. So a decent amount of terrain in the, in the starter box. You can buy boosters, which are, or not boosters, but boxes, which terrain are packs, terrain packs. And like we said earlier, the Deadpool pack does come with a taco truck. But even with all of that, I think there's still some pieces that we might need to create and have a bit of fun with. Yeah. No, I think it, it, there's too much opportunity for, for cool stuff yes. um, to, to not really. So, but I mean, that's laying out the board and realistically there's no right and wrong. Throw some stuff on a table, that's make it, it look vaguely sort of balanced. Um, I think for our last game we probably had a bit too little terrain. Yeah, and probably a little bit too varied. And the, the call out here is we basically use two of the core box mm -hmm. sets. Yeah. Um, so there wasn't anything above a size three. Yep. yep. Um, 
and there was lots of, yeah, little ones and twos and, and stuff. Whereas I feel like some bigger, chunkier line of sight blocking stuff to create some interesting interactions make for a better game. Yes, agreed. So once you've set up your game, you will first of all roll for priority. So similar sort of uh, idea here behind like priority rolls for other games. You're basically rolling a heap of dice and seeing who gets the, the most number of whatevers to choose who's got priority. Uh, priority is, it's kind of, look, it's important in the setup of the game, mm-hmm. but I don't know how much overall impact it will have. I I think it would be one of those things, and this is me crystal balling the shit out of this. Mm-hmm. I think if you really get into the game, I think it'll be one of the things that you focus on when you're building crews and you, you, to, you know that that kind yeah. of crisis and all that kind of stuff. When you're actually putting together all that stuff that you bring for a game, I think it'll be one of the things that you start planning for. If I have priority, this is what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. If I don't have priority, I'm doing this. Um, but equally, right now, no, nah, probably doesn't make two shits of difference. Yeah, exactly. Um, Basically what happens, once you work out who's got priority, the person with priority chooses their three crisis cards. Now, they choose between the secure crisis cards that they've brought or the extraction crisis cards that they've brought. The other player gets the other lot, and then you you stick your three down, and a random one is chosen from each, and that is the aim of the game. So those... Your objectives. Uh, your missions. So uh, they show you how you will earn victory points in the game. They both will have values written on them, and that's your points value. Now, so the value might be, I think it's anywhere from 14 to 20. Yep, thereabouts. Yeah. Once both cards have been chosen at random, the person with priority chooses which of those two values you guys are going to use. So, for example, uh, Jared and I have rolled up, gotten ready for a game, and we chose the crisis cards, and we got a 14 and a 17, and Jared with priority has said, well, let's play the 17-point game. So you then use that 17 points to create your crew out of the 10 models that you've chosen in your roster. And this is where, you know, if we take a step backwards, creating your roster with that group of 10 models is you want to be able to build a crew that's 14 points, that's 15 points, that's 16 points, that's 17 points, that's 18 points. Um, So that's probably where the interesting piece is. You've basically got a pool of 10 models that you need to be able to create any combination of, um, you know, points or crews to, to... face those objectives. Yeah. So what I found, I mean, the Dormammu has just come out or is coming out, and I think he's a big points value character. But my guys, all the models I've got range between two points and six points. At the yeah, I, think, I think he's like an 11. That high as he got. Some, okay. some stupid. Yeah. But so you're generally looking probably anywhere from three to five characters for a game, realistically, because you want to have like a a big hitter and then you want to have a couple of little guys to run around as well. So all depending, of course, on 
the actual crisis that you're playing. But the crises also have the advantage that they help you set up the board. So this crisis, for example, might say, put this token in the center of the board and then put this one three away from the edge here and then this one two away from the edge here, for example. Uh, so that sets up the board for you as well. The When you're building your team, there's another thing to take in mind, which is the affiliation of your team. Now, there's a number of affiliations. You've already heard Jay's talk about A-Force tonight. And they will have a leader who will have a special ability that they can use if your team is 51% based in that team. So, for example, if you've got five characters and three of them are A-Force and one of them is your A-Force leader, then you can use your A-Force leader ability. If you've got four characters and two of them are A-Force, that's not 51%, so you're not going to be able to use that. And that is models in your crew for that game. That's right. So it's not the, the 10 models you've got. You can have multiple affiliations in there. Literally, out of those models, the ones that you select for the game, more than half need to be as part of that affiliation for you to get those bonuses. Correct. Um, but the great thing about this game, and, and we've said it before on the, on the previous one, is that there's no limit to what characters you take. So if you want to play a team with Captain America and Red Skull, you can. If you want to play Magneto and you know, X-Men, you can. If you want to play Doc Ock and Luke Cage, you can. Like There is no limiting who can be on what team, which is great because, I mean, in the history of comics, everybody's probably teamed up with everybody else anyway. And that's very much the commentary they've got. They don't want to limit it. They don't want to stop you doing your favorite thing from issue 365 of some weird offshoot fucking crossover comic. Just do it. Um, but there are these affiliations, um, which are kind of the traditional ones. Um, so, you know, your Avengers and that kind of stuff. And there are additional things that you have access to and maybe additional sort of abilities that you get access to if that affiliation is in play. Mm-hmm. It also, handily, uh, the, well, the handy thing is it if you choose an affiliation to focus on, it restricts how much you need to purchase. Sort of. <laughs> sort of. I've kind of gone the, the mutant route, which means that I'm kind of buying a lot of Brotherhood and a lot of X-Men at the same time. Some of them came in, come in the same packs. Some of them do not. But then also Venom's cool, so I must have him. Ghost Rider. Ghost Rider's cool. Must have him. Hulk's cool. Yeah. Look, I, I, yeah, I've put together my, my little tin roster of models that I wanted to play in the next game or two, and the majority of them are kind of Brotherhood slash X-Force. I don't currently have enough X-Men characters to make an X-Men team so much. I have two, <laughs> and that's not going to be 51% in a lot of games, so... Let's let's focus on Brotherhood and uh, and X Force once once I get my hands on Cable. 
because he's the he's the big bad boss. Anywho, uh, with your affiliation as well, um, once you hit that fifty one percent, you are allowed to use your leader's ability, and anyone else on your team is called an ally. So you may have cards which refer directly to a team affiliation. So, for example, Brotherhood, you'll have cards which refer to Brotherhood of Mutant Characters. And you can, anyone in that affiliation can use that card, but your allies cannot. But there are also cards and abilities which refer directly to allies, which means that, you know, Magneto can ally with Ghost Rider and, and do whatever special ability that requires. The game itself, once you get into it, is played in six rounds. The The idea is it's the first to 16 victory points, or at the end of six rounds, the most victory points. Or if one team is completely wiped off the table, they lose. There you are victory conditions there. Pretty standard. Yeah. Um, and if we go back to the different crisis, so your extraction and... and- and whatnot. So the secure ones are basically, in, in most cases, it is have models at at a point on the table. So mm-hmm. they're they're like an objective on the table, and the whole idea is to get a models to that point to claim that objective. The extraction ones are generally grab something and run. Um, so it gives you some variation. Um, and then each of them really have different rules around, all right, you get a victory point for having one for, for say, or for claiming an objective in most cases. However, most of them also have some kind of other effect. Um, in a lot of instances, they do damage, they do other things to, too. So there's kind of pros and cons to having and holding these objectives as well, and it, that creates an extra little piece of, of a puzzle that you need to put together over the course of the game. Um, so, I mean, the good news is, you know, generally you're going to want to sit somewhere on an objective with some models and you're going to want some stuff that can grab and run. Um, and then it's just about juggling the, the extra little tidbits, um, that come along. But the first to 16 is a really interesting, I like the mechanic. It's not just a straight play this many turns, mm-hmm. um, wipe out, which I think we'll come to when we actually talk to the the mechanics of the game but surprisingly tricksy to do mm-hmm. i mean possible over six turns without a problem like without question but um it's also not the instant win of some games where it's like oh if you kill the leader you win um yeah. it, it's it's a concentrated effort um and i think going on that if you are concentrating on wiping out your opponent you are more or less ignoring the crisis yeah, cards so that are out if there. You don't manage to do that. You are well behind. It's a real all eggs in basket kind of situation. Um, yeah. So and then six turns. So you know you can work how long how how long that takes and actually dedicate a certain amount of time to a game as well, um, which is lovely in. Uh, life where we all have other responsibilities and work the next day and all that shit. All the fun stuff. Um, so, I mean, that that's kind of, yeah, you, you get there and we're at a stage now where we've got 
some objectives, we've got some crews, we've got some extra abilities that they can have, assuming that we've picked some affiliation stuff. Um, what's next? Uh, probably good to, to just go through the characters themselves. So yes. each character has a card which has all their stats and abilities on there, which is great. It's nice and handy. It's right in front of you. Uh, the card has two sides. It has a... Uh, healthy. Healthy and an injured side. And what's on either side may be the same to a degree or it may be different as well. So your stats, basically you've got your your health, how many wounds you can take before you become dazed and, and flip to your injured side or on your injured side, how many damage you can take before you are knocked out of the game. You have your movement which is either going to be a short, medium, or long, and uses these funky little rulers that come in the, the box, which is kind of cool. You have your height, and you have your points cost. You've also got your defense rolls as well. So there are three attacks in the game. Uh, I don't know what they're called. So, so there's so, physical, which is basically someone hitting you, someone shooting you with a bullet. There the is fist. An, there is an energy... So, you know, laser beams and, and whatnot. That's uh, swirly. And, and there is mystic. Which is so an eye. magic things. <laughs> um, and each of those will have the number of dice that you roll in defense when you are hit or attacked by one of those abilities. So it is, it is an interesting little piece. It's a nice little detail that I like because it means that some models will have really good defense against physical things, but maybe not so good defense against mystic stuff. So there's a little bit of theme to each of the characters, and there is a little bit then of a you know puzzle to unpick during the game going, what? how do I want to attack this character if I want to attack this character? Mm-hmm. What's, what's you know, the best odds for me here? Um, they defend really well against wizards, but not so good against bullets. Let's just shoot them. Exactly. Uh, after that, you've got your attacks. Now, generally, they'll have a... Most cards have two or maybe three or four attacks. The attacks will tell you what type of attack it is, whether it's a fisty or a swirl or an eye, and how many dice you roll, how far away you can hit, and what the results of that attack are. Everyone will have a basic attack, which doesn't cost them anything to do, and will generally give them one, if not more power, if it succeeds. Or it's, you know, in some cases, it'll give you one when you do it, whether it succeeds or not. The other ones will be generally have a cost involved, and everything's done by power. So the more you do stuff, the more you do your basic hits, the more power you get. The Every round, you'll get one power to add to your character. And if you're taking damage, you're getting power as well. So the more you get hit, the deadlier you can become. Yeah. So power becomes your primary kind of, you know, that, that's the currency of the game in a lot of instances. It's how do I generate power to do the cool shit that my superhero can do? Um, they can all do basic attacks and that's that's well and good, but we know the juicy stuff is the, when they get angry, when when they get sort of powered up, when they, the, the chips are down. And I feel like it's a really cool mechanic, given that they, they get it when they get hurt, 
as well as when they start to get some momentum, I feel like it's a really kind of cinematic way to, to, to build that into a game mechanic. Um, so yeah, you'll, you'll do things, you'll get hit, you exist and you, you generate this power. And then a lot of times abilities will either generate power for you or for others in your team as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've got some basic attacks or everyone does that cost nothing, does some stuff, but generally it's, it's not as fun. Um, the other thing to call out is in all of these attacks, or not all of them, but a lot of them have like a secondary effect. If we were talking Malifaux, I'd be saying it's a trigger. But basically there is one of the, the dice, which are a D8? D8, D8, yes. D8. Um, but they've got some blank sides. They've got critical sides. They've got a funky little, what what is a wild symbol? And then they've got success. Another swirly. Yeah, it's, it's a little swirl, but it's a different swirl. Um and then you've got uh, success attacks, which are a little kind of pow symbol, uh, and defense ones, which are a little uh, shield. So in a lot of these um, attacks, there will be like a secondary effect. And it's like if the dice, if you roll one or more of a swirl, for example, the wild symbol, you also get this additional effect, um, which is cool. Um your basic attacks, as we said, do the, do the boring stuff, but generate power. And then a lot of characters have extra attacks that do cooler stuff, but cost a certain amount of power. So all of a sudden to do that piece, you need to spend that power before you then use that attack. They do cool shit. It's fun. Get on board. Um, if we move a little bit further down the the cards, what we've got is superpowers, effectively. Most of the time, these don't take an action to do. So there is more than, you know, your available actions in a lot of instances. So if they say that it takes an action, it takes an action. Things that we learned in the last game. Mm-hmm. Um, if it doesn't, it doesn't take an action, which is glorious. More free stuff. Most of them cost power. If not all, I don't know if there are any that are zero. Um, and there are three kinds of superpowers. There are—they've uh, got, got a little infinity symbol next to them, but basically, it means that they're always on. Um, and this generally is for stuff like flight. Um, so, if a model can fly, or if Spider-Man has Wall Crawler, for example. It is basically something that you don't need to activate. You don't need to think about. It's just another, you know, innate ability that the model has. They don't cost anything. They just are are an extra rule for that model effectively. So if a model can fly, that is an example of one of those. Um, You've got actions that you, or not necessarily actions, but things, superpowers that you can only use when you are activating than using that model in its active turn. Um, and they are generally more actions that you can do that cost superpower, uh, that cost power and do more cool shit. Um, and then you have reactive superpowers. So most of them, if not all of them, will say, when this happens, you can spend power to do a thing. Um, so it might be uh, when a model near you is attacked or within range two of you is attacked, you can spend two superpower to become the target of that attack. 
that is that is a relatively common one um it's stuff like that um so they they're basically in a nutshell what the models can do mm-hmm. so and i do like the fact that on your healthy side and your injured side there will be some things different like you might um get more resistant to physical attacks but less to mind attacks on your injured side or you might have less health or even more health you might have abilities that kick in only when you're injured for example wolverine has an ability on his injured side where the more damage he has on him the more dice he rolls in his attacks things like that which just make it a little bit more thematic and mean that you know you're sometimes you you need to think about okay well i'm about to i could knock out i could daze this person flip them onto their injured side but is that going to help me or am i just asking for a world of hurt next turn so a lot of you know there's a lot of stuff that you can be thinking about if you know everything about every character which we don't pretend to but i did i did really like that as a theme yes no i i really appreciate that and i mean i think from memory um iron man as an example gets and his omega b so his big sort of chest cannon thing he only gets on his uh injured side so you get this kind of amazing attack but he has to be closer to knocked out to be able to use it so it might be a case of all right for me to to injure this character enough or to do do what i need to do i actually need iron man on his injured side not enough to be dead but enough to be sitting there so i can use this thing with this amount of power and and all that jazz so there is a level of juggling um that i one day hope to be able to do yeah but at even at our beginner level, like it's just kind of cool to see that happen. Whereas, you know, we're not necessarily thinking along those lines yet. But it might be, oh, okay, well, you know, Thor's flipped over and all of a sudden he can do this. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So really, yeah, really interesting part to the game, yeah. which I think is different to a lot of games. I don't know many other games that have sort of two versions of the same character. No, in every game. Hmm. Um, on that, I actually, on, on the whole characters piece, I actually really like that there are multiple versions of some characters. Hmm. Um, and just as a quick sideline, like Peter Parker as an example has at least two. Um, Peter Parker's out there with Black Widow's the same. So there are multiple Black Widow's to kind of talk to, you know, those characters in different situations, different comics, different universes, different parts in their career um, with different abilities and different stuff. Uh, Rule being you can only use one alter ego, so a Peter Parker, uh, as an example, in any crew at any time. Um, So as well as having the different abilities potentially on both sides of the cards, you have also got, in some cases, different cards or different, you know, the same character but with different abilities depending on where they are, which is kind of fun. Yeah. So just moving on, going into the game for a little bit, the 
game, like we said, is six rounds. Each round is split into three different parts. There's the power phase. During the power phase, you get every power. character gets a power. Uh, there are some effects that would happen in this phase and some crisis cards that you can play in this phase. But it's a relatively short phase from what we've seen so far. The next phase is the activation, which is where almost everything happens. So starting with the person with priority, they will choose a character on their side and that character gets two actions that they can do. So the actions can be you know, move, they can be attack, use a superpower that that costs an action. Uh, they can also shake, which removes like some negative trait which has been put on them, like bleed or or incinerate or something like that. The each character can only activate once per turn, and the turns are alternate. So if you have priority, you will choose one of your characters and then your opponent will choose one of their characters. And then it'll go back and forth and back and forth until everybody has gone. Mm -hmm. A, this is my favorite type of game. I, I really dig alternate turns. Correct. Because it just keeps things going. You're reacting to things that your opponent is doing. You're not sitting there while they wipe half your army off the board before you've even got to roll the dice. You know. Once everybody has gone, it goes into the cleanup phase. Now, cleanup is where the victory points are scored. So if you're doing things towards your crisis, then this is where you get the points. Again, you'll have effects and crisis cards that can be played during this turn. Anyone who has been dazed during the activation so that's when you have taken enough damage to flip over onto your injured side so when you do flip you remove all the damage that you've taken but you put a day's token on them so if they haven't been activated that turn they can't activate until the following turn and then priority then passes to the person who played so the person who played the last character in the activation does not have priority. So if you've got less characters than your opponent, they're getting more turns, but you're getting to go first. Yeah. Which kind of balances that yeah, out it's, a bit. Look, and, and what it stops is that situation where you're starting to get outnumbered and then your opponent goes first and it just tips the odds even further. They, they knock out another character and now you're even further down. So it gives you an opportunity to do stuff before that happens. Um, and, it, you know, it's a little bit of levelling. Um, and I, I like that as just a really simple mechanic of deciding who goes first, the person who didn't go last. Um, yeah. it, it, Which works it, really it, it was cute and, like, it just it made a difference. Like, the, the first game that we played, I had four characters to your five. So I think you won priority and then every round after that I was going first because yep. I had less characters uh, because you're also KOing my characters, which is you know, neither here nor there. But um, it was just you know, really cool to know, okay, well, I've got less characters, but I've got the first chance to be able to do this. You know, If I want to have the first hit on your character and try and knock them out before they can get to me, I can do that. 
Yeah. I can run really away cool. and grab this objective and, and make it harder for you to do your thing. It's, yeah, it just, as I said, a little bit of leveling. Um, it just stops games completely snowballing mm-hmm. as easily. Um, so uh, kind of as we spoke about, the meaty stuff happens in that activation phase. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where all of the fun happens. It's the I go, you go. Um, and probably the next step from there is is what happens during activation. Um, so one of us, you have, you know, you, you choose a character. Step one, who are you going to activate? What's going to happen? Each character gets two act- actions that they can do. So as an example, Moving is an action. Shaking a, a negative effect is an action. Um, taking one of your attacks from the top of your card, also an action. Um, so you can do two of those things. If we talk through those, I think there's some really interesting kind of pieces that are different to this game. Um, so moving, as an example. Instead of having a measurement or anything like that, all of these just reference that you move short, medium, long, as an example. Um, and there is a an equivalent little range ruler. And these are cool in that they are curved on both sides, so they actually fit onto or around the base of each model. So you literally butt it up against the base. There's none of this trying to work out where your base starts. You literally put the ruler so it's touching the base. Each of the rulers have a hinge in the, the middle of it and like they pivot up to like 45 degrees or something, 90 degrees. I don't know. I don't, I'm fucking, I don't care. Um, but they pivot. There you go. Um, so effectively what it does is it gives you a definitive but limited amount that you can move around things. Um, because you put the range ruler down touching you angle it and position it and and pivot it to where you want it to go. And then you pick up your model and you put it down at the other end of the range ruler. So the interesting piece here is things like bases and overlapping. If the range ruler fits, your character fits, regardless of how big their base is. Mm-hmm. Um, because you basically put the range ruler down and then just pick up the character and plonk it at the other end. Um, so the, it was one of those things that I think wasn't really necessarily intuitive the first time, or it was just different to other games that we've played. I was going, Oh, can my character walk through there? Because their base won't fit. Doesn't matter. Does the range ruler fit? Good. Let's, let's just, it, it, it's an abstraction, but it, it makes the game really clear about what happens there. Um, so that's kind of, as simple as moving can get, I think. You measure, yeah. or you put the range ruler down, you angle it, and you pivot it, and then you just plonk your model at the other end. And as long as your model can fit in that final spot, happy days. Um, shaking is is pretty much simple as declaring the action and removing a negative effect. Um, so that's pretty straightforward and probably something that we haven't thought about too much yet. Um, probably should not as important. Um, and then the fun bit is when we start doing attacking. Yes. So attacking, you're, you're spending your power or doing your free attack. The, the attack will tell you what type of an attack it is. It'll also tell you how many dice you're rolling. And various different things will affect 
the dice as well. But as a general rule, if an attack says you roll four dice, you're rolling four dice against your opponent's defense for that attack, which may be two dice, three dice, four dice, depending on the character, depending on the attack. Dice themselves, we've gone through them a little bit, but they have um, criticals, wilds, hits, blocks, and failures, and also blank sides as well. So blanks are pretty much nothing. Failures are pretty much not successes, but also not ones that you can affect by any sort of re-rolls or any abilities like that. Wilds will generally have your extra ability on some cases, and the the interesting one here is the crits. So for your first roll, if you're rolling four dice and you roll a couple of crits in that four dice, you get to roll extra dice equal to the number of crits in your first roll. So if you're rolling four dice and you get three crits out of that, you roll an extra three dice and add that to your attack. Yeah, so suddenly that strength four attack becomes a strength seven attack. Mm-hmm. Is, is the, the joyful part of this. Yes. And likewise in defense. So you might only have two defense against their four attack, but if your two dice come up crits, then you're rolling four dice, effectively. Yeah. Um, there are other various different things that you can do or effects that your attacks can have as well. So you can actually throw characters or scenery at your opponent or your opponent into scenery. Uh, If you throw somebody into a building, for example, or a car, that scenery is then removed from the the game if it is a smaller size to the character that hits it, which is something that I don't think we got right in the last game. Probably right. Um, I think we were just removing scenery all over the place. But then the character also has to make a dodge roll to try and avoid taking any damage from hitting that building after being thrown by the Hulk, for example. There are things like that. You can do a push on some people, depending on the ability. Push is the same thing as a throw, except that once you hit a piece of scenery, that's it. You stop. You don't go into it, and you don't have to roll to take damage. The abilities may add some sort of negative trait onto the character, such as bleed or or stunned or things like that. But that's, I mean, that's pretty much yeah, it. I mean, so, so the, the basic premise to run through that really quickly is I go, right, this is a strength four attack and it is a physical attack. So I grab four dice and I'm going to roll those suckers. My Whoever I'm attacking is going to look at their physical defense, grab that number of dice, and we're going to roll off. Mm-hmm. Anyone with criticals is going to roll extra dice, and then you have your kind of final pool. And then we start looking at how we can modify. So you might have abilities that let you re-roll some dice. You might have some abilities that let you literally change one of your dice to from one side to another, a blank to a success, for example. Or you might have something that lets you change your opponent's dice as well, which is a fun little piece when they think they have you know successes and, and all that kind of stuff, and you just pull that rug out from under them. Then it's it's relatively simple math even for me in that 
you look at the number of the successes from the attack, the number of successes from the defense, uh, and the difference is how many points of damage you do. Um, so I roll four dice, get three successes. You roll three dice, get two successes. You're going to take one point of damage. I have one more success than you have defense. Um, so this is a cool thing too. Like this is a dice game, obviously. And the fact that you're spending X amount of power to do this nine dice attack. And if you fuck up those dice, like that, that attack could do one damage. It could do no damage. And and probably the thing I've liked about this game, because looking at all the cards, right, most of them don't have a stupid amount of wounds. No. There's kind of fours, fives, sixes, that kind of stuff. Um, but when you start looking at the, the attack and the defense and the way it works out, generally the attack is weighted slightly higher than the defense. So you're likely in more instances than not to do some damage, but chances are it's it's ones and twos. It's not sevens. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's sevens, but it's not often sevens. Um, so when you add that, the fact that you're actually probably not doing stupid amounts of damage to the fact that you're getting points for objectives to the fact that even when you do the six wounds that is on the front of a character, they flip over and get another six wounds. Um, it actually makes taking characters out of the game completely not as simple as it looks at, at first value, I think. Um, and it puts some extra emphasis on the objective play that you've mm-hmm. got from the, the, the crisis that you're using as objectives. Um, so it's just another little... I like flat out. I like games based on objectives rather than games based on flat out murder. I think it just makes for a more interesting game, to be honest. Um, so and it seems thematic too with these type of characters. Like these, you're taking three, four, six characters into a game that are all named characters. They're all characters that have been in Marvel comics for quite some time, they're not going to flat out kill each other every issue. They're, they're working towards something. They're trying yeah. to do something. And, you know, if people were getting knocked out or killed in, in every episode, those characters wouldn't exist for very long. Even to the point that I like the wording around it in that characters become dazed, they flip to the injured side and then they're knocked out. So no one's actually ever dead. Um, you remove them for the game, um, but I think it allows that. I also think that, you know, we're all talking named Marvel characters, as as we kind of just said. So, but they're all fighting each other. So it's not like you're just mowing down a bunch of civilians. Um, so it kind of makes sense that these giant super crazy heroes are doing one and two damage because they're all giant super crazy heroes. Um <laughs> You know, it, it's the the unstoppable force and the immovable, immovable object. Um, oh, if they bring out Juggernaut, does that mean we can have a Hulk and Juggernaut? Yes, on? yes. Although I own them both, so I will own them both. So maybe we could have a Hulk Juggernaut team against whatever you want to bring. 
everything. <laughs> Hulk six points. I wonder how much Juggernaut's going to be. They're going to have to make him almost the same. Surely. Surely. I mean, he's holding a bloody traffic light in his hand. Like it's nothing. It's the best. <laughs> These bottles, man. Some of them, some of them are just dig. Some of them I can take or leave. But ah, the game itself, very thematic, very, very cool. I do like that. I do like the abilities, the, the fact that they've named them, they've given them just the little bits of flavor that, that harken back to the character as well. Um, you know, the really classic example of Steve Rogers on his injured side having an ability called I Can Do This All Day. <laughs> um, the fact that Crystal has four different basic attacks, all the doing a different elemental effect. Uh, it's, it's those kind of just little things that are cool as shit. Um, and, you know, you, you can see that the design team is trying to strike a real balance between a balanced game and characters that really represent what we know from the comics, from the movies, from the 80s cartoons, um and all that jazz so kind of juicy um back to mechanics we've covered kind of the basic concepts of a turn obviously you pay six of them unless someone gets to the 16 points beforehand um i think there's probably just a couple of little things in this game different to others that are worth touching on really quickly um things like size line of sight that kind of cover, that kind of jazz, which are, are probably a little bit, a little bit funky, um, and funky not necessarily in a bad way, but the starting different. point of that is size. Yeah, no, it, different. It, it is one of those things that I think will catch everybody the first time they play it. Is that oh what huh huh how does that why does that work that's not how I've played any other game, um, but. The starting point of that is everything has a size. So your characters will have a size on their cart or your, your terrain and everything has a size. That is not necessarily height. It is not necessarily width. It is size. It is volume. Um, it is a, a very kind of ambiguous term. Um, not necessarily a bad thing, but when we start talking about, you know, someone's or something's size immediately i thought right well that's the height of the model not necessarily um which is a little bit a little bit funky the second piece that got me is everything is measured horizontally so you basically play the game as if it was two-dimensional um all your measurements uh you look top down horizontal only so there's none of this measuring up and down and, and and around stuff um which means some things that don't look like they would be in range actually are and that kind of thing um but create some some interesting interactions i suppose the the important thing here is it is what they've done with this game and actually kind of the thing i like about it is there is some real kind of abstract rules or abstractions of concepts, right, that they put into the rules to go, this is how the game is played because it is a clean way to play a game. Is it the most realistic? 
not necessarily. Um, but what it does is it avoids a lot of that confusion around, can I see, um, or can this happen or can I fit here? You can or you can't. And it's in the rules and it's pretty clear. Um, so there's less of those kind of, oh, maybe I could, I'm going to shuffle and nudge and, and tweak and, and kind of eke stuff out, um, which I really, really like. So as said, size being just a random measurement of an unknown amount, um, the measuring being all two-dimensional, all top-down um, is interesting. Um, and then the other one that gets me constantly is cover. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the concept here again is that we're measuring two dimensionally. So if we have, all right, so because we're measuring two dimensionally stuff happens here, I can have a model standing on the top of a height five building or a size five building, correct myself there <laughs> and a model standing on the ground. One model wants to hit the other. I put the range ruler or the, the appropriate sort of measuring tool next to that model and I look down and if it is touching the base or overlapping the base of the other model, regardless of the vertical height between them, that model is in range. So Black Widow standing on the ground can punch, um, you know, She-Hulk standing on the roof of a size five building. Does it make sense? Well, look, you probably can, can work something out. Um, but that is kind of the abstraction to make the game work. The other half of that is, though, is this concept of cover. So if your range ruler goes through a piece of terrain that gives cover um, and your model is within range one of it from memory, um, that model gets the benefit of cover. So I have two models standing on on the top of a size five building hitting each other. There is nothing in between them. But if I put that range ruler down and that range ruler passes through cover of which the building is, of which they are both within, you know, the range of, the model benefits from cover. So it's this kind of weird abstraction just to remove any of those awkward moments of do they get cover, don't they get cover, are they in, are they out? They are. And then you need to, you know, for the immersive part, it's, all right, is it a, a vent on the roof or a bloody air conditioning duct or a thing? Like, there's stuff. Wargaming terrain is... Just balancing trying not to fall off a roof. This is it. it Wargaming terrain is also inherently designed to be practical so models stand on it. So a lot of the time you don't have the little detail that you would have in real life as well. So I kind of use that as a bit of a caveat, catch-all, get-out-of-jail-free card for these moments. Um but yeah, there's some some interesting play where people can target things that you didn't think that they could target, and they um, get cover where it doesn't necessarily seem obvious. Think that were the main ones that caught me out. Yeah, look, yeah, that's that's pretty much all the notes that I had. Like, there are a couple of things, like even the the basic rule book that you get in a box has a couple of commonly mistaken rules written on the back of it, which both of which are 
things that we got caught out playing. So, uh, for example, players only roll additional dice for criticals once per roll, not each time a critical is rolled. So if you're rolling extra dice for your criticals and they get criticals, you don't keep stacking on top. Disappointing, but fair. Yeah, seems very fair. Uh, the other thing is interacting with a, an objective, which is something that you can do during your turn, and you will be doing it with a lot of these crisis cards, uh, is not considered an action. So in one of our games, we were definitely playing it as the action. Mm-hmm. And so if you wanted to wander over here, pick up this dude that's trying to flee from the scene and take him to safety, that is technically move, pick up, move. That's two actions. Whereas in the first, one of the first games we played, it was move, pick up. That was two actions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So there's real, the rules are very clear and the challenge is coming from games that are, you know, played very differently. There's mm-hmm. kind of this assumption when you step into a game that it will probably play similar to something else that you've played. And I feel like Crisis Protocol is probably one of the first games where I went, oh, this is different to everything else. Like this stuff, it makes sense. I look at the priority role and I look at the Underworld's priority role. Sure, mm-hmm. it's the same deal. Alternate activations, it's cool, I get it. Um, the the extra effects on wilds and triggers from Malifaux, there's all stuff, but it has these kind of key mechanics that are just different. So there are some little gotchas for the first couple of games, um, and once you kind of those click and you actually start playing that game, not the game that you think it is, I feel like it's it's happy days. And we are, what, three games in, and we're starting to click a little bit. So we're getting there. So expect to hear in the next episode, rules gone wrong. Um, (laughs) Which was the whole idea about this podcast in the first place. I mean, that's basically why we're here. Um, That's the only content of value that we have. Uh, Listen to how Jason Brett fucked up this week. Uh, That's about it. From me for the first first basic intro, um, like we said, you know, next week, next episode, we'll go into a bit more of the games that we have played. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else you wanted to add, Mike? No, I think as that's it. So next few episodes will be kind of how we got into it. And I think, you know, the, the, the cool thing there is going to be how we kind of scaled up the mm-hmm. games that we played to get to a point that we're playing the, the actual rules, the full rules and all that kind of stuff. So how we got into it. Um, and I think, yeah, probably that's that's going to be the, the interesting piece going from walking through kind of the how to play book and the, the box when you crack that open the first time, but the next steps. What, what do you do next? So I think I think that's the kind of the, the fun bit, but that's the basics of how the game plays. Um and kind of how you get into it. It kind of gives you an idea, hopefully, of investment. Um, we will spend more than the required baseline investment. Heads up. Uh, have you heard this podcast? That's what we do. The first half hour is, hey, I bought some extra shit. Um, <laughs> half hour? I remember playing the first game and thinking, oh, you know, okay, well, I've got like five characters says I need 10, like that seems like a lot. 
Uh, what am I up to now? Like 16, I think, and more coming. I don't know, <sighs> yeah, but yeah. Yeah. Look, I feel like it's one of those things. If you like the IP, if you like the basic concept of the game, it's, if you like the models, it's very easy to go deep. Um, I'll be curious after we get a few more games under our belts and sort of a little bit more of an understanding and of the, the depth of the game, what we think about it, where it sits mm-hmm. in the, the pecking order. Agreed. That well, is all I got. Yeah, I think we might wrap it up there. Thank you very much for tuning in and listening, if you have. Um, by all means, if you haven't, give us a follow on Facebook, Spotify, Podbean, Twitch. Uh, write us a review on Facebook. We haven't got any. It's no, very distressing. It doesn't have to be good. No, I don't care what it is. I'd just like to see a review. I'd like to read something. I'd like to uh, read them after you've been drinking. Oh, yes. Give us your drunk reviews. Drunk reviews would be my favorite kind of reviews. Yeah. Um, as always, we want to give a shout out to any, we've got a new Patreon. Uh, so thank you very much for jumping on board, James. And we are very close to hitting the target that I gave us. Uh, to be able to do many, 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 many more giveaways and competitions and things like that. We have ideas. We have plans. We're very close to hitting that mark. If you know, if we don't hit that, that's fine. We'll just do competitions and giveaways. that just won't be as many as I kind of like. I want to give you guys lots of shit. And shit that is good, not shit just me talking at you. <laughs> The good shit. I, I want to give you the good shit. I want to give Joe shit. That's kind of how this works. But that's it for me. Thank you very much again. Cheers, all. Laters. Yeah, you are.